Welcome to the U Calgary Faculty of Social Work podcast. I'm Zoltan Verratti. We have a great episode for you today with certainly the most guests we've ever had on. But before I introduce everyone, a bit of background. In November of last year, we posted an episode called Integrating the Voices of Youth in Clinical Training Approaches. Our guests were FSW Associate Professor and Woods Homes Research Chair, Dr. Angelique Jenny, and PhD candidate and sessional instructor, Olivia Cullen. They came on the pod to talk about a project in which they engaged youth with lived experience of exposure to intimate partner violence. This youth cohort worked with Jenny's team as co-researchers, reviewing simulated counseling sessions to provide feedback on counseling skills. If you missed it, I encourage you to give it a listen. Here's a snippet of Dr. Jenny talking about sharing these simulations videos in which actors play both counselors and clients with the youth team. And we'll take ones that we think are particularly strong or if we've decided, you know, um, here's a great example of what it looks like to talk to a kid about their safety. Then we want to show these youth and say, this is what's happening here. Do you agree with that? Uh, Because as adults, this is what we see. This Uh is what we heard happened. But as a youth who's had this experience, as a youth who's been in counseling before, how would you have felt had you been that youth? Or did the youth that we created out of the scenario ring true for you? Or do you see things that, no, he wouldn't have done that. He would have said this or whatever. So we're wanting to hear their perspective on our findings. Angelique Jenny and Olivia Cullen are back today. But this time, they brought a few more voices to add to the conversation. Joining them are Laura Shields, an MSW student and member of the team, plus six of their youth co-researchers. They are Anne-Marie, Liv, Victoria, Caitlin, Mackenzie, and Rebecca. It was a wonderful talk full of frank discussion, and we were very privileged to have them on. If you're a researcher looking to gauge youth in your work, you're going to want to listen in. They have some valuable insights in store for you. Thanks for joining us. So let's talk about what drew you to the project. Why did you decide to get involved with this research study? Any volunteers? Liv. Oh, well, what drew me to this uh, project was specifically being able to have my hands in research as well as give my experiences firsthand. So um, it's, it was very important to me to like get chosen and to be able to be a part of the project because of it. And Caitlin. Yeah, so I just say yes to everything, to be honest. And um, I knew I had the lived experience to like offer to this one. So that's that's why I got involved. And I didn't expect it to impact me as much as it did, but it like really impacted me in a positive way. Rebecca. It's kind of was mentoring me, sent this over through email and was like, I'm not sure if this is something you're interested in, but I trusted this mentor's kind of like opinion. And so I applied, but I still like wasn't quite sure. And then um, Olivia had emailed me and wanted to meet. And I think just like meeting her was like what really sold me on it. Because instead of just showing up to this first meeting, you know, we had this discussion and she kind of told me what it was about and was really um, open to my questions and really made it seem like a friendly, warm environment. So it made me like less nervous to get involved and kind of excited. Dr. Jenny? Yeah. That that does help me think about one of those processes was 
offering up it up as an opportunity to talk about and find more to be as transparent as possible. Um, I think sometimes as researchers are like youth come together, we'll feed you some pizza and ask you some questions. And, uh, and in this scenario, we said, this is what we want to do. And we're going to talk to you about it first before ever getting you in the room. Back to live. Yeah, I really did like how open ended everything was um, and how just like Olivia and Laura and Angelique, they were always down to me. They were always there to support you through absolutely anything you needed. Like, I think that in the future that, that that's literally how it should be because you're getting youth to talk about their experiences and um in some t cases it does get dark so like I, I think that having that support is very very important and especially when it's like kind of like oh, what's oh no I had the word um like unquestionable or um unconditional uh, as well and Victoria so I think the reason like I joined the research project was um a, a professional I'm connected to like showed me it and I thought it was um I thought it would be an interesting experience um and I also wanted to be able to help people because I was like if the research that we do um can go on to like actually like help um people who have the same experiences as us or even make it easier for other other youth to be involved in research then that's a bonus <laughs> Let's talk a little bit now about the, the experience of watching these counseling simulations and what that was like for you. Caitlin. Yeah, I expected it to be a lot tougher and like bring up a lot of like old like trauma or memories for me. And like it actually did the exact opposite. Like I felt like I was um, in the driver's seat for once and like, yeah, I don't know how to explain it. It was like almost healing in a way to like watch this and like give that feedback. Cause like I was never able to give feedback about any therapists or anyone I worked with before. So I thought it was like a really empowering experience. Fantastic. Uh, Mackenzie, go ahead. Um, yeah, I think for me, something that I found uh, while watching the counseling uh, sessions was more that um, the simulated actor that was playing um, kind of the, the person that was going through these different counselors was actually someone I, I found that did such a really great job at like really researching um, his role and being able to really pinpoint the things that were important to say. Um, and then I also found that, you know, I, I think some people may think on the outside, like watching counseling sessions might be like kind of foreign or, or strange. Um, but I really felt it was quite um, like natural. And the way that the simulations were set up, it kind of just felt like you were watching a conversation between two people that, you know, had a very like intimate relationship and just wanted um, the best for each other. Um, so I think that was something that kind of struck me um, while watching them as well. What kinds of supports do you think researchers need to have in place to make projects like this a safe and meaningful process for youth? Anne-Marie? Oh, one of the things that I can think of that stand out is the, the group rights that we did. Mm -hmm. um, 
at the beginning and do, do, do. oh <laughs> like working on it all together and um it being collaborative and um just like also going back to it throughout like it just not being something at the beginning um like something that we check in throughout to make sure that that safe space is like still there and like if things come up going back to it um just to make sure that we're all um like showing up in that space um as best we can someone tell me a bit more about these rights Liv, go ahead um the group rights were kind of almost like a constitution um that we um formed together as a group to make sure that we had uh, basic rules in place that everyone could feel included and share and feel like they have a like a space. And um, we referred to this thing called windows of tolerance at the beginning um, where um, kind of those group rights kind of tie in to like make sure people are safe, make sure we're keeping each other within our windows of tolerance. Um, and yeah, so that's a little bit about how the group rights were formed is basically to make sure that everyone is feeling safe mentally and feeling safe within the group as well. Rebecca. Yes, like expanding on the group rights. Some of the group rights were like respecting each other, recognition that everyone's feelings and experiences are valid, no questions asked. And I think like going back to your earlier question, you said what's like important for um, youth in research and like how they can be supported. I think something that's been really good in, about this project is like flexibility. So we yeah, have the no questions asked, like if you need to take a break or do what you need to do. And also like being able to meet on Zoom, that's been really helpful for flexibility. And then just like, you can come when you need to, like if you have to take a Saturday off, you can. And again, there's like the no questions asked policy. Victoria, go ahead. Um, other stuff that was done to like help support us in that like um, research project was definitely the group rights, and we also had a bunch of other stuff in place. Like if we, um, because considering the subject matter, if we were feeling like triggered in any way, we were always able to reach out to the facilitators if we needed to. And then there was the um, anonymous survey that we could fill out at the end. And then um, we developed a Google document, I'm pretty sure it was, of a bunch of like hotlines or like other resources that were like regional to wherever we are. So I think those are some good ways to also help support youth. Okay, thanks for that. Mackenzie. Yeah, I just wanted to add to that, that um, exactly what Victoria was saying, but in the intake of, of all of us for this project, like one of the questions was like, if you aren't in a safe place, like during the course of this research project, like what are some things that we can do for you that would help you or um, like would be best for you if, if that occurs during the project? So I think just really having that at the onset and like creating tangible solutions like before you started anything that may have been triggering um, is also a really great thing that researchers can do um, like in these types of studies. And back to Anne-Marie. I think also to semi unrelated but related is like being one of the things we've said was like being committed to the process versus like the outcome and I think to 
it helps knowing that like on the other end that like there's like a genuine like care and like support throughout um and it's not like you're just like including people with experience without like not like valuing slash being genuine in that way um so I think to like checking in with like before going in like to make sure that um like you're doing it for the right reasons if that makes sense absolutely uh Caitlin um what I've noticed that has really worked is like it really comes down to the people that are like facilitating it or running it like if they really care about the safety and like well-being of the people with lived experience that are being involved like that will always shine through and yeah you can't force people to care or like make them care so it like really comes down to like finding those people that are really passionate and want to like lift us up lift up our voices and uh yeah make things better Let's throw this back for a moment to Dr. Jenny and Olivia and Laura. What uh, did you learn from the experience? What did these guys teach you that you could apply to your research? Olivia. I mean, we've learned a ton. I have learned a ton. Um, some of it research related and some not. So I think, but I think, you know, especially being transparent with everybody, really talking through all of the things we're doing, why we're doing what we're doing, giving everybody enough information to feel comfortable and supported um, ahead of time, being really yeah open about kind of what we're doing, what it's going to look like, if things might be, you know, if we might have a more difficult topic or week, um, and then being available to answer questions or check in with people um, and being open to changing the process as we go, figuring out, you know, what's working for people and being okay with having it look different than, you know, what we thought it might have at the beginning or what we, if we had some ideas about how it might end being very okay with being flexible and changing those things as we're learning more from each other. Dr. Jenny. I would just weigh in to say, I mean, the whole point behind the project was really to hear youth voices in this process and to learn something from that. But even as you're saying, what did we learn? We learned how hard it is not to be adult centric in all of your thinking. So sometimes you would put, you would think you were, um, being open to that idea or putting something out that was perhaps youth-centered and hearing back that, no, you know what we really want is this. And uh, that was really useful for me to realize that there is just no way at a certain point in your life that you can even imagine um, what, what young people want in, in the process. And so always prioritizing and listening first and doing after, I think will be the lesson I take away with me on this. And Laura. 
So I am a MSW student in the clinical stream at U of C. And so as someone who's going to graduate in a month and go out into the field and plans to work with youth, this has been an unbelievable experience for me because I get to sit in a room every week with youth who are telling me, here's what I need from a therapist. Um, and I, I don't know any other way where I would have gotten that type of relevant, current, direct context for what youth are asking for right now. So for me, this project has been very beneficial in uh, opening up my perspective and adding additional considerations for what I still need to learn or I still need to grow as I enter the field. And back to our youth panel, put you guys back on the spot. Um, Dr. Jenny talks about you all as not being just study participants, but as co-researchers. Did, did you feel empowered in that way as a co-researcher on the project? Caitlin. Absolutely. And like, there's like a spectrum of like how people are involved in research when they have lived experience. And this project in particular, like I think really made an effort to take it just beyond us giving our feedback. Like they go, gave us a like platform and opportunity to be involved in like a lot of aspects of the research just beyond like the advising part. So yeah, we, we were uh, co-researchers on this. Liv. Um, what I'll say is uh, being I, I think there was a, a there was a big reason on why they decided on calling us co-researchers and not re referring to us as like study participants. It's because we have a direct impact on the research that we're putting out. We have a direct impact in the reports that's going back to frame. We are the ones collaborating in. Um, editing and putting out graphics and doing like all the presentations you've seen except for the really like clinical uh, UFC one that I've seen has all been uh, made by the youth so it, it was imperative to call as co-researchers and if not it would have been an insult if, <laughs> if, if they didn't um, and also uh, not even I think we also uh, kind of went against the term co-researcher at one point um, because uh, we're not co we're we're going to be authors on this paper. Like, however, we want to be re represented. We are authors on this paper, and we're exactly what Laura said is like we are a team, and um, there is no one. It, we we structured this pretty non-hierarchical in a way where we we are one. We work in tandem. And there's not really one person above the other. If someone has an idea, we'll do that idea, you know? Can I get some volunteers to talk about what you learned from this experience uh, about research or about yourselves? Mackenzie. Um, I would say for me, a, a large part of also like why I was interested in, in the study was that it was more of like a a qualitative type of research. And I think for myself, I had been more trained in quantitative um, research and I, and I didn't really, um, I hadn't come from a background with a lot of like collaborators, especially people that were like my age. Um, and so I think especially in this study, just like really what I think I learned was, I learned so many things, but just in terms of qualitative research was just like how important um gathering the voices of many different people is and like how much more of an impact you can make in your research when you are going and like 
incorporating all sorts of like um, lived experience and all sorts of like types of people. And I know one big thing we really um, agreed upon was that like lived experience as expertise and like just bringing together all of these um, people with such expertise in qualitative research was it was able to just be so transferable to all types of like research um, and all types of interests of, of others that we've presented to. Um, and it's really like at, at every conference or anything we've made, like it's really people have been able to connect with it and, and relate to it. And I think that just shows the, the power of using um, such diverse um, experiences and people in the research. Liv. Well, I just want to talk about what I've learned about myself because I've okay. done like psychological research before I've done qualitative research before. So it's not like it, it was more of like a personal journey for me than anything. It was me going through some of my darkest times and um, kind of reflecting on that, you know, and realizing uh, how I can take those things and, put them into like an academic lens and help other people learn from them. Um, and it, it, it kind of changed my life in a bit. So uh, it was, it was really sweet to be able to process that way. Victoria, go for it. So like before this, I hadn't really like done research before I had talked, I'd like learned about like the bare basics of research, like what is qualitative versus quantitative data and the different like, methods of conducting research but to actually like get into it and like take part in it was really it's just a different kind of learning experience um and it really like kind of reframed my thinking on like kind of the things that I can do um like that I'm capable of doing and really like recognize the value of like my labor and stuff so Caitlin. Um, yeah, I came into this like really hoping to explore more of that past that I had with that lived experience. So I think I really made a lot of progress like within myself for that. So it really pushed me to think about it more and like, like use that experience for some kind of positive change, not only for myself, but for everyone that has had uh, experiences of intimate partner violence. So. Okay, thank you. Um, last one for any researchers who might be listening to this podcast, what are some steps or actions they can take to involve youth in their projects in a safe and meaningful way? Anne Marie. Well, if you can go, oh, I was going to say, love you. <laughs> Your hand is up first. Okay, I'll go first, and then Anne Marie, you can jump in after. Um, there's a, I actually, I have a bullet points for this because um, it's, you just can't be like, mm, I want to consult a youth on this topic. And yeah, you have to have like a specific reason that you have to have, um, like, how are you going to engage this youth? Uh, how are you going to keep them safe? Um, are you going to compensate them? And the one thing that I found what motivates me to engage in research is compensation. And the thing is, is I won't like, there's a difference between getting a, like a $10 gift card 
uh, over like three meetings than it is to get paid actual money. And the thing is, is a lot of the youth who do have lived experiences have uh, are either financially unstable, experience trauma. So being able to pay that for that experience is being able to lift them out of situations of where they may feel like like they're not empowered at that moment. Um, so that's also, a fi I find, a direct impact on how um, we can engage youth in research. And there, a lot of times youth don't want to engage with in institutions because of the ways that they've been treated in the past. So I think the, the thing is being transparent about your policies, being able to make sure that youth are safe. Um, so having that like kind of boundaries aspect um, and honestly, just compensation. Like. <laughs> I think that's a very valid point. Thank you for that. Uh, Anne-Marie. I was just going to say a big thing is like asking like them and like not assuming like a certain way is going to be the best way or like um, that like this is how we're going to do it and it's not going to change sort of thing. Like asking um, them like how do they want to be engaged or like how can we make this a safe space? How can we um, make this like most meaningful you most meaningful for you versus like um, going in and assuming? Because um, I feel like that that's how like they're going to feel like their voices are heard and like that they have an impact um, when like they're involved in it throughout. And it also makes it more meaningful because like if it changes throughout because you're going to learn so much more um and like learning from each other versus like that just being like a one-way sort of thing um it's like everyone changes throughout I'm like i think that's what makes it most meaningful <laughs> all right thanks uh, mackenzie um yeah i just wanted to add a bit to liv's point and then add another one but um yeah for for liv's point i, I think Something that I thought about during this process was like, yeah, I had never been um, compensated like in, in this type of way um, for the research we did. And, and I think something I, I thought about too is just often like youth with like lived experience, especially the, the experience we share. Um, I know a lot of the time in, in counseling, something that's worked on is just like feelings of self-worth for, for the youth. And I think something I never really realized was just like, yeah, I, I never would have thought in a million years that my my expertise on this subject would be worth anything, would be valuable. Um, and just like being able to be affirmed in that in this project was something that I think, yeah, I, I know a lot of people here can relate to, like with the hearts and stuff. Um, so I just wanted to add that. Um, and also, I, I think just a way that we were kind of talking about a bit, like, what is the best way to engage youth to even see your research study and to see that you need them? Um, and I think we were we were just talking about the fact that, like, yeah, like, kind of posting it across all social media platforms, like um, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, et cetera. And, and also, like, maybe in the future, just, like, being... Um, added to like major university email list that's where a lot of like youth are um as well we're, we're just some things we talked about to make sure results were just like widespread and caitlin i still have i'm a young person i still haven't even figured it out 
I'm like, I can only tell you what works for someone that's like my exact demographic. Like I am white and like, yeah. So like, there's just like a whole lot of elements that have played into that, that, that got me involved. And I think we're going to have to start thinking outside the box to get people that don't have like my exact same demographics more involved because like, yeah, I think there is a really huge issue with like just the same sort of people always being involved in research. Cause we're just not asking people in the right way to get involved. So yeah, I think we're going to have to start getting creative and like trying out, trying to reach like a more broader audience to get involved in research. Cause they have a lot to offer that's being being missed right now so excellent point um dr shinny i believe the phase of the study with these co-researchers is uh drawing to a close so what's next well i can tell you we have certainly we can't imagine uh doing a research project in the future that doesn't start with youth um that's one of the things that we're hoping other researchers will learn from this podcast is that uh, engaging youth is possible. It's very rewarding and, uh, and it can be done earlier in the process, um, right from the beginning. And uh, Olivia and Laura, do you have anything to add? I think, yeah, echoing what Angelique or Dr. Jenny just said um, is looking for ways, you know, within future research projects that we exactly start this earlier and really have it sort of led by young people from the beginning and a, a fully collaborative process and just seeing where else we can do this sort of um, engagement, youth engagement work in other areas and, and sharing what we've learned here, sharing, you know, what we've learned from young people, what young people have learned so that other researchers are doing it and doing it well and not intimidated by the process because like Angelique said, it is super rewarding. It's so fun. I have learned so much and I look forward to our meetings every week. So I think just sort of demystifying some of that process and making it more accessible for young people and for researchers. And Laura. Once you do research this way with like the team building and the consultation and the direct involvement, um, it, it does become a little perplexing that there is any other way to do it uh, when it's part of the process and it's not an add-on. It's not like one meeting with the youth to consult. It really has been about the process and not the outcome to see what folks were willing to offer us. Um, then it then it becomes simple and easy and natural that this would be the process to gather accurate information. And I feel like I just have to say how grateful we are to Frame as the funder that actually spearheaded this by putting out a call for projects to find ways to uh, in, engage youth. And without that opportunity, I'm not sure we would have had this opportunity to learn and it has, it has changed my practice going forward. A related note before we go. Dr. Jenny recently celebrated her fifth anniversary as research chair at Woods Homes, the only community-based chair in children's mental health in Canada. That's a story unto itself. And as luck would have it, we have that story, or a link to it anyway. You'll find it in the description of this episode, so go ahead and give it a click. 
And that brings us to the end of another one. Thanks to all our guests and to you for listening. Until next time, take care.